Mahomes at bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks, Super Bowl 55. Hello and welcome to the Bucks Banter Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Colin Hallboom, joined by one of my two co-hosts this evening. We got Scotty Cap in the building. Scott, what's good, buddy? How are you? Not much, man. Not much. Uh, doing well. Uh, yeah, happy Super Bowl week. Let's get into it. How about that? We uh, we took a little break last week, decompress. You know, we didn't have a first We needed weekend. a bye. We needed yeah. a bye, too. You know, we're only human. What can we say? First weekend without football and quite NFL football in quite a while. Felt strange, didn't it? Super weird. Just legitimately super weird. Waiting for some weird Sunday night game to come on that I don't care about yet I still end up betting on and watching until 11:30 and that just uh that never happened you know so you know, live and learn live and learn I suppose that's it and we had to go tonight on Monday February 7th because Bucks fans today is the one year anniversary of Super Bowl 55 where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs the juggernaut Kansas City Chiefs 31 to 9 shut them out without a touchdown at Raymond James Stadium and I I haven't talked much about Mr. TB12 we haven't been on since since the news became official and I you know this was talking about this Super Bowl it was you know Tom Brady's first year outside of New England and I just kind of want to revisit that because despite winning six Super Bowls during his time there, Brady was more or less written off by Bill Belichick, who clearly didn't believe he still had what it took to get the job done. And, you know, at that time, uh, it wasn't just Bill Belichick either. A lot of the football world felt that way. So, you know, when Tom Brady found himself uh, considering his options when he hit free agency in that summer of 2020, he was for the first time in his career, Uh, actually considering his options outside of New England. And in doing so, he came to the conclusion that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offered the most appealing destination for him to make a run at adding another Lombardi to his trophy case. And for the first time in a couple of years, I think he also felt truly valued by an NFL organization again. And, I mean, everyone knows what happens next, but, you know, I can't help but summarize it once more because it's that unbelievable. But after leaving one of the winningest organizations in the history of the NFL, to join what was literally the losingest organization in the history of all of professional sports at 43 years old, Tom Brady won another fucking Super Bowl, <laughs> but this time as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I just, you know, it's that incredible. It's just, it's really felt magical. So I'm at the, the point now where I've been able to decompress since the news and just kind of accept that and be thankful for mm-hmm. what Tom Brady provided us as Bucks fans, me as a Bucks Buccaneers fan my whole life. So, I mean, I'm just feeling thankful and grateful to uh, TB12 and and truly astounded by his talent. I was always a Brady, not a hater. Like, I guess, like, I appreciated his greatness, but I was always cheering against him. Like, I didn't want to see, yeah. you know, the Patriots keep winning. I, and, uh, he, boy, did he turn me, man. Like, I'm like, I'm just an absolute stan for, yeah. for life. Of Tom Brady. And I think, I mean, had he gone to any franchise, that would have been the general, uh, you know, sentiment of it. Right. I'm sure a lot of people would have been in the same boat as you call just, um, yeah. All right, cool. Brady, you're awesome, but this is really boring and I don't care for the Patriots and like Belichick's a bit of a dick and, you know, Brady is the poster boy for the NFL's 
Super Bowls kind of looking the same for for however many years, right? Because that's basically what it was. It was like, is Brady going to get there? There's a pretty good chance that he is. So I get that, but obviously, you know, I'm you know when when Tampa got him, I mean, you were flipped, right? Like it's not like you didn't like the guy, you just didn't like what he was like, what he symbolized, or just the fact that New England was so so successful. So yeah, that that's that's a great way to put it. I mean, still just. And even there, when you said, uh, you know, from one of the winningest franchises to one of the losing or to the, you know, the losingest, it's like, obviously I knew that was true, but I never, act- I don't think I'd ever actually thought of it that way because I immediately, he got so much credit or yet, you know what I mean? Like he had so much built up equity that I didn't think about Tampa as some losing, you know, piss poor team, piss poor franchise, anything like that. Cause like, well, they got Tom Brady, right? So, so it's good, but it, that can't be, uh, that can't be overstated enough. Just um, the lack of success in, in Tampa's history, and just he comes in there and wins a Super Bowl at at that age. It's just it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, man, and that's like an objective fact, right? It's the losingest franchise in all of the yeah, yeah, yeah. major professional sports. So, like, you know, everyone's seen it, seen all the stats and all that. But I just want to summarize a couple of my favorite. And I do want to focus briefly on just his time in Tampa Bay, of course, because, you know, that's that's why what we're here to talk about. So, you know, he has more Super Bowls, first off, as a player than any franchise in NFL history. I think he's tied with like the Steelers and not the Cowboys, um, whoever it is. Isn't it? Is it, it might be Niners, yeah, yeah. It's the Niners. But he but he's he, you know, he's won as many. There's no franchise that's won more Super Bowls than him. He's he in his 20 seasons in the NFL, he's been to 14 conference championships out of 20 seasons, 10 Super Bowl appearances. So he's got that Phil Jackson 50% chance of making it to the ship, which is yeah, like that's one thing as a head coach. This is as a quarterback, like that's just absolutely yes. mind-boggling. And and his contemporaries, like, nobody's got an even close to that percentage of conference championships or Super Bowl appearances, right? Let alone the wins. It's not even close. Like, don't take for – like, nobody's taking for granted. I hate to be – don't take for granted guy. But he he got to to the Super Bowl half the time. Half the time. Like, just absolutely crazy. And I I think – the way the stats work out, like he had a higher um, conference championship game percentage than he actually did a um, a completion percentage. <laughs> so, the, like, so he was more likely, you know, to get to the AFC championship game than he was to complete a pass. Like, it, it's just, it's. I mean, there's so many different stats like that. It's kind of like when you get into the Tiger stats, and it's just, oh my, like, well, there's, we're never going to see that again, and like. Literally, you can get a different Tiger stat every day. You can get a different Brady stat every single day that's just mind-blowing and, uh, you know, leaves no doubt as to who the best to ever do it has been. Yeah, it's just uh, undeniable, right? Like, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, and a lot of people would be like, uh, Joe Montana, or, you know, you got the Jordan-LeBron debate and and so on. There's no debate in football. It just can't be made. It's just too factual. Yeah, but how lucky do you feel? to have gotten him for these two years. You know, like, I don't want to say he could have gone anywhere, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, he could have gone anywhere, right? And he's in, and he's, he came to your team and they won the Super Bowl and they were, they easily, you know, they could have been in that game again, right? Like, had they, had they pulled off that game against, like, 
against the Rams, they'd be favored in the Super Bowl again, likely. I think they would have beaten San Fran, right? It's just, it's like so bittersweet. It's, you know what I mean? Like it must yeah. just leave you wanting even more and more, but you got to be happy with what you got, right? So, yeah, like the greed has started to wear off a little bit. So I am able yeah. to kind of just enter that appreciation mode. Yeah. Um, and, you know, two years in Tampa as a 43, his 43rd and 44th year. As a human, unbelievable. Uh, he won 29 of his 39 games played, five and one in the postseason. He averaged 300 yards per game and was responsible for over 100 touchdowns in his two seasons. Pretty, pretty um, good. A hair under 30 points per game, which is obviously the highest in franchise history by a mile. I don't need to look that up. I'm just gonna no. say it yeah. as fact. <laughs> it has to be. Has to be. Um, yeah. Six fourth quarter comebacks and nine game winning drives. One Lombardi Trophy and one Super Bowl MVP, um, unbelievable, unbelievable, and, it, and a totally viable MVP, like regular season MVP candidate this year, as we've gone over, right? So you know, maybe not leaving leaving the NFL as a, as a Super Bowl champ or anything like that this year, but he's leaving it as literally one to me one one B in the MVP. Uh, discussion which is which is totally mind-blowing and just a testament to how fucking good he is like how how good he is at this bit of a shame eh? like it, it, yeah you know, and it's kind of badass he didn't tell anyone he was retiring like think of the farewell tour he could have received he obviously oh, yeah. i think i think he had a pretty good idea he was gonna hang him up but that wasn't getting leaked during the year and he certainly didn't want any of that extra attention he just kind of <laughs> wanted to fade out and no. Um, I bet you, you know, what's an interesting topic is if had he opted for the farewell tour, Scotty, and and, and it was known around the league that he was going to be retiring, this was going to be his last season. I wonder how that would have swayed the MVP votes, because, um, you know, it's totally yeah. it's totally half dozen. Um, yeah, six and one. Yeah. Six, right. But yeah, it seems like the prevailing thought has been that, you know, Rogers is going to win based on that regular season for whatever reason, even though a lot of the metrics favor Brady and, and I mean the counting stats as well. I, st um, I still do don't get it. Yeah. I, right? I don't dis I'm if you want to make an argument for Rogers. Okay. Like obviously, and maybe it's right, but that it was like so far and away him over. I, I'll, I'll never understand it, but you know, whatever. Here yeah. we are. Right. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say what would have happened. Uh, boom. Like, you know, couple that, couple what you're saying there with the. I mean, we at least had one voter come out and you know, kind of just blatantly state that they're not going to vote for Rogers based on his vaccination status, or like you know, his, I don't know if it was his status as much as his comments and just general dickheadishness, right? But who knows? Like, it's humans voting; anything could have happened. Exactly, and I, like I would never want that to be the reason, or even a debate, why Brady would have won if it was the farewell tour, whatever. Yeah. Um, but goddamn, he deserved it as much as Rogers, if not more, this year. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But but Tom doesn't need that, so um, is no, what it, it is. The only other thing I want to mention that I that I saw today um, was uh, Tom Brady. Since so in in baseball, for example, WAR wins above replacement is the most valuable metric to to evaluate a baseball player's. Um, impact on winning for his team um, and pro football focus has adopted that model it started in 2006 tracking wins above replacement for football players 
Um, and since 2006, he's won that award every, or he was the highest wins above replacement player in the league every single year. Um, which is pretty incredible considering, you know, there were times when he was not operating like he was this, these past two seasons, yeah. statistically anyway, but obviously um, according to their metrics, he was still the most valuable player in the league all those years. So that's pretty- wild. I didn't know that one. I mean, once again, yeah, just another absolutely mind blowing uh, one to come across. Um, what favorite, favorite Brady moment? Other than the Super Bowl, other than other than winning the Super Bowl, favorite Brady moment in these two years as a Buck. I you. think I think it was a first half. I think it was it was that pass to Scotty Miller. Um uh, against Green Bay. In the NFC championship last season. Dude, it comes up in the in the intro video, obviously, for the pod here. And it's just it's 14-10. There's what, six seconds left or or seven seconds left before the half. And they give and Green Bay gives up that touchdown. Like that is that that was so backbreaking. Just just from a general football perspective. But what a throw! You know what I mean? What a play call! What a what, like great execution! That was awesome. And then you it it felt you felt pretty good at that point. You could argue that momentum. It like from that moment, the the momentum the team gained just carried oh, them right right through to the finish line. It yeah, was that it, it was that much of a like okay like we don't give a shit screw convention throw it out the window yeah. um no risk it no biscuit you yeah. know just cuz i played for bill belichick all these years you think i'm not willing to to air it out in a moment where conservative minds and really all minds would would opt for a safer play no no let's go i'll do yeah. what my coach wants and i'm not afraid and i and i yeah i i agree i think that that would be the the one for me you know what's and maybe this is relatively recency biased. This game, the Antonio Brown game against the Jets. Not that it obviously had the high stakes or anything like that, but just like they had no business winning that game. They didn't need to win that game. They didn't have anybody playing in that game, and it, obviously the Jets sucked. But they looked good. That like they were really playing solidly. It wasn't just you know, a complete, what the hell are the Bucks doing? Or the, like the Jets aren't even doing much and they're still up by double digits in the second half. But no, of course they won. You know what I mean? Of course, of course he leads them to a win. Just And that's such a mark of these guys who just refuse to lose uh, on the nights where their team doesn't have it. You see it in basketball all the time when someone just takes over and says, like, we're going to win this game. Or a Connor McDavid in hockey, right? He's just goes out and scores twice in the third because he's, he's better than everyone, stuff like that. And Brady obviously just has that and showed it basically right up until his last play in the NFL, right? Like he did everything he could um, to to get them to another NFC, to another championship game when it, clearly they didn't have their best stuff and were, you know, trailing the entire game against a really good team. So, yeah, yeah that's something. And that, like, it, you know, it applies to that Jets game too. Like, shit, he threw that game-winning touchdown pass oh. to Cyril Grayson, right? Um, yeah. So, like, his options were very limited at that time, and he still was able to mount a comeback. So, yeah, really incredible. And the one person who I think needs to be acknowledged, if there is one, or at least the 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 namesake, I'll choose on behalf of the Bucks organization and their player development the personnel department uh, is Jason Light, the the mm. the general manager, because. Um, you know, when I talked about in that opening uh, tribute to Tom Brady, per se, if we can call it that, 
Um, you know, him choosing Tampa Bay was surprising to a lot of people, but Tom Brady is a smart, smart football guy. And he saw yeah. that Jason Light and and his his team had built an extremely talented roster with a really nice blend of high caliber starters playing on rookie deals and proven veterans playing on reasonable short term contracts. So the the foundation was there and Tom Brady was able to see that despite the laughing stock that the franchise had been despite those pieces being in play because Jameis Winston was the one in the headlines, right? He was right. You know, it was that year. So, um, you know, oh, good yeah. To- and, yeah. And the, the credibility factor that he's brought, well, and, and you can argue that light has brought based on the roster he, he's gotten, just getting Brady to the team is huge um, for, for future potential uh, free agents Obviously, you can win there. People are going to like, you know, I that's who knows. It might be a bit of a, a lazy narrative to be honest, because you know they could win because they had Brady on the team. But but regardless, that's what's going to be pushed, right? Like that's what's going to happen. So, what's going on, dude? The Raptors just traded for Miles Turner. I uh, I have to announce that. Sorry, Scott and I are big Raptors fans. Um, Goran Dragic, Malachi Flynn, and multiple picks. Sources tell ESPN. So oh. Good. I, I love it for the Raptors personally. Um, that's that's great. Flynn, I liked Flynn, but he wasn't really he wasn't doing much this year. Obviously, Dragish, what the what the fuck? And did did it say multiple firsts? Multiple. It's got to be multiple firsts. But you know what? I'm still on board with it. I've thought a lot about this. Sorry, we shouldn't even talk about this right now. <laughs> we okay, are. we'll we'll get back. To- uh, sorry, folks. Uh, if you're not come on, the Miles fan. Turner deal, it, it's always been linked to Brady. Let's, we like let's it. be real. Right. We, we wow. like it. Got to send oh out a couple God. texts while I'm on the air to the boys. Yeah, make sure they know. A, a boom, uh, a boom bomb. We call it. I like bomb. to be first. Drop them. Drop them. Like but uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Send the text. I can talk about Brady. You know, another. Sorry, I mean, like we're kind of just waxing poetic about about, uh, about uh, Tommy Boy here, but don't don't apologize for that. Scott. I yeah, fair enough. Um, it can't. What we also need to remember is how bad he looked those that last half a season in New England. Like for people saying he was done, I mean, it that wasn't crazy. That was not so like he looked old. He looked like his arm was closer to the Peyton, uh, you know, like the Manning at the end of his career than certainly what it turned out to be in Tampa. So anyway. So what what's going on? What are they at the? Did they have I to got, trade Jackson too? I got fake woged, bro. Oh, that's oh, Colin. On our live episode, I got the notification. It was my <laughs> fake woge account. Holy shit, man! God damn. All right, it. well then, you know, if Malachi Flynn's parents are listening, which they probably are, then I take it back. I think your son's been a great uh, addition, <laughs> and uh, let's see, let's see if he earns some minutes in the playoffs. God um sorry folks i mean good thing we're not live on bucks report at the moment <laughs> um I'm, I'm just more disappointed that that deal wasn't real i like that yeah um but so i mean scotty is there anything else you wanted to add in terms of of tom brady oh sorry you were just talking about um no i just mean he, like i i think the fact that he was this good it wasn't that it was just a continuation from this stellar you know peak Brady at the end of New England. He looked bad and he looked potentially done, but Tampa obviously saw enough and they had the trust that he was going to be able to figure it out and be rejuvenated. And I, I mean, I like the change of scenery aspect because, but I was just worried is his arm 
gone. Because that's more what it looked like to me. But, you know, clearly proved everyone wrong, proved me wrong. And, um, yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah, and I think like the arm being gone, like like that that was like a lot of people felt that way. But then yeah. um, when it, when he was announced that he was coming to Tampa, like some guys I really respect really broke down a ton of his throws. I think it was John Ledyard did a deep dive, um, and he was like, "Dude, he's his arm's plenty live still. It's just sort of how they're how they're running their offense and the lack of weapons they have there to create space and and not right. being willing to stretch the field. And I mean, Tom yeah. proved that since then, we all know that of course, just to kind of justify maybe why people would have viewed it that way at the time. Yeah. And that, and you're right. That would have been, let's face it, kind of a layman's uh, look at it from where I was just watching it. But there's, there was a ton that went into it, like having no receivers and nobody pushed the ball down the field too. And, you know, uh, an only an okay offensive line, if I remember correctly. And then they got absolutely rolled in that home playoff game against Tennessee. And that's, yeah. And, um, yeah, anyway, here we are. Here we are. So, anyway, the question, you know, that is obviously the next one to be brought up is what kind of condition are these Bucks in moving forward? Where, where is the franchise left? Um, it is a state of the franchise discussion tonight, and I think it's an important one to have. So the the interesting thing here is I think, I, first of all, I think it's pretty clear that the Buccaneers roster and their front office feels very confident in the players they've put in place. The same core group of guys who helped to lure Tom Brady here feels that they are more than capable of competing if they can, you know, get a serviceable quarterback in the building. Um whether or not you believe that would be as a bridge for Kyle Trask, I mean they're pretty high on Kyle Trask. I personally, yeah, like I'm not a big Trask guy myself at all. Um, but again, I'm not a NFL general manager, and a lot of people think Trask would stack up very favorably amongst this year's quarterback class, potentially even. So, um, you know, there maybe it wasn't the worst thing that they went ahead and and drafted him last season, even though I thought second round was unnecessary, and we could have used that that selection for for a player who could have been more valuable last year but it is what it is that's water under the bridge at this point so yeah. first of all though you know they're going to need to figure out this quarterback situation as soon as possible because i i expect it to have a pretty direct impact on their ability to retain some free agents um and there are quite yeah. a few of them and some really yeah. important ones as well i think i think they're in a great spot from a general roster's point of view man like they have as many guys as anyone and no you're not going to replace brady but they might get who knows like who who knows who they get a quarterback but they're going to get someone pretty good like i don't think they're going to roll out i don't know you know some sort of mike glennon scenario or anything like any train well, wreck like that like blaine gabbard is the that that scenario for us that would be the, yeah, blaine the mike gabbard, glennon yeah. scenario but at least, yeah. Right. Okay, so the, well, I don't like, well, yeah, I don't like I Gabbard at all. Yeah, that would be our version of. That um, would be bad. Okay, Gabbard would be bad. But I, I think the rest of the roster is too is too good for them to sit on their hands and not go and get uh, at least a league average quarterback and just figure it out the rest from there. Because also, I think they, I don't know, take your pick, whoever the fourteenth best quarterback is in the league. Don't they win that division next year with that? Yeah, and if they NFC South is ripe, bro. It's real ripe right now. Head and shoulders above the other three teams. So, 
obviously the quarterback most most uh, important uh, position in sports. Um, they're losing the best one of all time. Not great. Um, but I trust that they're going to figure it out, get someone in there that makes sense, and just keep rolling with the amount of talent that they already have. That's what I think. Maybe I'm being optimistic. Well, no, I like it. You, you know, I always talk about it. I love I love getting your stance on these things because you're a huge NFL guy and you're not a Bucks fan. So to me, that's always valuable because I got to kind of check myself, right? Am I being overly optimistic? So to hear that from you, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, but th- so just to make it clear and like just because these people are all these players are all free agents doesn't mean they're not going to bring any of them back. They will. Of course. But we, we got Chris Godwin. OK, Carlton Davis, Ryan Jensen. Jordan Whitehead, Leonard Fournette, Nadamakan Sue, Rob Gronkowski, Alex Kappa, JPP, Will Golston, Aaron Stinney, Gio Bernard, Ronald Jones, uh, and, and plenty more. And, and I mean, yeah. you know, football contracts work that way. Like a ton of rosters, if you were to look, have a ton of guys who are technically free agents, but many of them have just kind of more or less planned it this way. And that's, they're going to resign them. The Buccaneers will not be able to resign all these guys, um, nor do I expect them to like make a huge effort to resign all of them. So they're going to have to pick and choose a little bit, not quite like yeah. last year where they could bring everyone back. So that's something Buccaneers fans need to be prepared for. Um, in so, terms of- so priority list then priority. Give me the top three of those, those guys that you listed. Who do so, we, who's yeah. Yeah. Good question. Uh, Godwin long-term extension. Yeah. Absolutely. Top priority. Like 100%. he's so yes. fucking good. Chris Godwin. He is just, I don't care. You do not let him out of the building. He's just him and Mike Evans, that pairing. They're just everything about them. We, we've talked tons about them both. And anyone who watches football knows what they bring to the table. Um, Dude, they got, they, they were putting up huge numbers with Jameis. Give them a serviceable quarterback. They'll figure out the rest. And Godwin is just so valuable, He's man. So good, He's man. So good in everything, everything he can do well. He has no yep. flaws as a receiver. It's actually ridiculous. Okay, so, so that's I. I would have said Godwin, but I wasn't sure if I was being a little, uh, you know, um, skewing towards the skill positions there. Um, but okay, so I'm glad you said Godwin as well. Yeah, right behind him, I have Carlton Davis. He's our best corner. He's established yeah. himself as, you know, a number one corner in the NFL, undoubtedly. Um, you know, not necessarily the flashy picks guy, right? Like a Tra- like a Diggs, Trayvon Diggs. Or, or, yeah, well, um, Diggs isn't any good, so. Yeah, you could, like I think a lot of people would probably rather have Carlton Davis than Yeah, no than shit. Um, fucking... So, exactly. So, Diggs and I, I – sorry, so Davis. So, I expect him to, to actually get franchise tagged. I think he's the, the, the most likely scenario to be franchise tagged um, just based on the position. They would like to get another year at him, work out some of the details in the books before they can try and lock him up. And Or worst case, you know, they see what happens. He missed – he tore his quad this year, so he missed a big chunk of the year. Yeah. Um, now, I have a tie for my third and fourth. Like, my next – I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Oh, girl, wow. Didn't expect that. That's a first. <laughs> um, Ryan Jensen and Jordan Whitehead. So, I mean, Ryan Jensen is probably a little more important if we're still in this win now mode, but I also am just so bullish on Jordan Whitehead and how much ability he has and just the way that he's trending in his career right now. It's like he is really showing, you know, anyone in the football world what he's capable of doing, especially the tail end of this year. Like, we've all known he's a hard hitter, but he's just playing within the scheme of the defense, ultra aggressive, um, serviceable in coverage. Like, he's what Jamal Adams should be, um, Mm -hmm. except he's been playing on a rookie deal. So 
that's right. up and, and he won't be playing on a rookie deal after this year. The question is whether or not a lot of people expect Whitehead to be a bit of a casualty, cap casualty. Um, and then Ryan Jensen, he's just kind of the heartbeat of that O-line. He brings that – he's that big nasty. He's he's what they needed. He, he, he got, matters. He yeah. matters. He, he's he, he's tough as nails. He's, yeah. he's, he's borderline dirty. Um, opposing teams hate him. He's not afraid to stand up to Fletcher Cox or or the yeah, toughest SOBs, the scariest man in your football. Team. Like, right? You like, love it on your team. Big you ginger. love having a slightly – yeah, man. Yeah. Big ginger staring down Fletcher Cox trying to, like, yeah. bring extra heat after the play. Like, give me more of that. I just love it. Yeah. So, couldn't agree more. Like, a security blanket for whoever's playing quarterback coming in, right? Yeah. To have as, as, as solid an offensive line as possible. And he's a huge – he's a very key cog in that, right? So, yeah, that – he would have been in my top three as well. Yeah, so like tier one, Godwin and Carlton Davis. Tier two, yeah. Ryan Jensen and Jordan Whitehead. And then tier three is Gronk, Nadamakan Sue, and Leonard Fournette. And yeah, you know, like Whitehead, I would like a long term extension for franchise tag Carlton Davis, as I suggested. Long term extension for Godwin. Jensen, I'd like it to be like a short to medium term extension. He's in his early 30s, whatever. But Gronk, Sue, and Fournette, like ideally at least for uh, Sue and Gronk, it would be like a one-year deal. Like Sue's been totally comfortable riding off those. So has Gronk these last yeah. five years. It would be great if they would do it again. We'll see if Gronk even plays though, right? Like Gronk, who knows? Yeah. I mean, total wild card. I'm a little concerned that we didn't, if Sue somehow were ever to find out, you know, that we didn't put him in the top three, that he's just going to like powerbomb me through this, through this table here, uh, you know, put some respect on his name, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's that's dead on. The the Gronk factor is yeah, who knows? I think you can probably live with Sue walking, unfortunately, at this point, but just based on uh age, years in the league, like this is what happens. It's just the fact that they returned everyone from the Super Bowl team, that doesn't happen, right? So, you know, Bucks fans obviously and understandably will be We'll be ready for the for some changes that are inevitably inevitably going to be coming this offseason. Yeah, and the like how you just described Sue, I'm a little more in favor of bringing him back because he's sure he secretly had a really good year. Like like Jason Pierre Paul is a guy who I'm like, please don't make like let's let's just kind of cut ties with the JPP yeah. thing. Give him his flowers. Like like yeah, you know he's earned that for being a gritty warrior. But let's get try on Choyanka on that other bookend opposite of of Shaq Barry. Like we didn't even have our best edge rusher because it's like we were, we owed this to Jason Pierre Paul. I hate having to even do that. Like it's just an awkward thing. We're in the NFL, play the best player. Try on, you know, come on. So I almost think that's a guarantee. Um, Whereas Nadamik and Sue, like, let's see what happens. He, He wants to win, but he seems to like it in Tampa. And I certainly like having him there. And the same goes for Will Golston, who's like the longest serving Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Um, he's one of the more underrated wow. players in football, big, tall, tough D tackle. You, you know, he doesn't play full snap count, but, um, he's really solid, man. Really solid, strong run supporter. Uh, he can get to the quarterback on occasion, especially when the bucks have been undermanned on their, their D line. He's stepped up in the past. So another team like Sue and him have this veteran presence about them and leadership roles, uh, within the locker room that I think are really valuable. And I'd love to have them back. But again, I'm not going to freak out if they don't have him back. If it means we get to bring those tier one and tier two guys I mentioned, Godwin, Davis, Jensen, and Whitehead. So, um, 
that's kind of where where i'm at you know you gotta gotta be realistic if we get like i think we're guaranteed i would say guaranteed of my those top four guys i mentioned to bring three back i feel really good about if we get four i'll be ecstatic four of those that would be three i mean three would be great yeah and you would as long as godwin i think is one of the three then you get or one of the four then you get two of the other three i think you're feeling pretty good about that and just like for continuity's sake just for general roster talent's sake just keeping that level up and um yeah, man, I, I, it's hard. Like this is gonna be, these are gonna be hard decisions. It's not just uh, you know so cut and dry. They'll have to to figure it out, see what see what's offered elsewhere for these guys, and and go from there. Exactly, it's exactly it. And have faith. You got to have faith in Jason Light because my uh, guy, he's has, earned it. He has. He's really like you know we got the NFL draft. We got all our. Can picks. you see the light? Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but he's really established himself as one of the better drafting general managers in the NFL based on his recent draft history. And I think unless we want to talk about potential quarterback options, I mean, um, for the Buccaneers, it, it really is just speculation at this point. I mean, we already mentioned Gabbert to Trask bridge, not ideal. Um, and the guys who, who Bucks fans are fantasizing about most myself included aren't, aren't technically on the market in Russell yeah. Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Um, Derek Carr's a name, Kirk Cousins. Like these are names that have been floated around the buck sphere, the bucket sphere. Yeah. I, and that's just, there's, there's going to be so much uh, speculation right now about those bigger names. Um, just like, you know, we've talked about that, that Gabbert to Trask bridge. That is not a bridge that I would feel safe driving on. Wouldn't feel safe walking on anything like that. I just, I don't see it from Trask at all, personally. Not, and I, I didn't see it in college, to be honest. I that Florida team he was on, they had a really good record, but I thought he like he's throwing absolute pillows out there, like zero velocity on the ball, and I just don't see him fitting balls into tight windows when you need it uh, at the NFL level. I, I, he's probably a nice, maybe he can carve out a career as a backup. Don't get me wrong, that'd be that'd be great, but um, uh, for this team, they're gonna have to go bigger. I would I would assume. Um, although it is hard when you draft someone, draft a quarterback in the second round. And if they like them, you know, they're going to want to give them a shot. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, anyone who's read my work at bucksbanter.ca, I mean, I was quite critical of the trash pick. I gave it a D. I just didn't see him as a second round grade though. He was the the last pick in the second round, but still I would have preferred Davis Mills, um, myself, like, you know, over Trask. I had him rated higher. Um, so I was really not a huge fan of that. Um, but you know, we'll see, right. We'll see. He, he, my other thing is like, he's throwing to Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony, like, like he had incredible guys who he could throw pillows up to. And they, you know, a lot of bubble screens, you know what I mean? A lot of the DBs playing eight yards off and just pitching it out to him. Pitts also a monster after the catch. Like, sir, I'm not trying to hear that, you know, slander trask's college accolades or anything like that i just don't i never saw it i remember just watching florida and thinking this is a nice college quarterback that will play in the cfl i like i actually said that to my dad we were watching a game and he you know but um anyway th- yeah we'll, we'll see what happens there there there's so many names that are being thrown around i mean yeah you probably want russell wilson right like he's he's really good that's probably the top of the list i would imagine um 
I don't know. I I don't with all these quarterback things, like it, you, you need a domino to fall in order for anything to actually happen, right? So like have you do you know anything? Have we heard anything new? Like it's not like I've been looking no. directly at what the Bucks have been, you know, where they've been leaning or anything like that. No, we have no insight into that, which again yeah. is why I have trouble speculating much. One name I haven't heard about at all, but like I could see like, is, is interestingly enough, Tom Brady's nemesis is Nick Foles. Um, oh. as a guy potentially capable of stepping in and like taking advantage. Would you rather of Foles than Gabbert next year? So, so here's the thing, Scott, and I've like we texted about it a little bit, and I know it was just yes, appall- a, it was appalling to you and Bodan that I was like in a Twitter debate with someone who, where I was vouching for Blaine Gabbard as a better option than uh, Gardner Minshew. Um, <laughs> and what I was like, this is what, we, Hey, this is what we do folks. This is, <laughs> this is what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we Friday actually didn't, night. that's why we didn't record last week. We were all in a big fight in our Gardner. Yeah. Minshew we were, yeah we were too upset. Yeah. Uh, but what I, I think like, they love Gabbert, like the Bucks coaching staff. And he one thing he does have is arm talent. And I just wonder, um, you know, he knows this system so well being here with Tom Brady. And I just like, he still has a great arm. Like that's never been yeah. an issue for Gabbert. Um, when he was younger, he certainly didn't know how to use it or how to think or how to read defenses properly. And I think that cost him. But I wonder if he's just entered a new phase where he could actually be more serviceable than like it's not I, almost what I'm saying is it's not the Gabbert we've seen now. Like it could be a totally different guy. And if those physical tools are still there, um, maybe maybe it's not the worst, worst case option. Certainly not as Honestly, bad as, you know. Yeah. The Sorry. Just the way you're putting it, because, yeah, he's not hasn't been a starter. We haven't we don't we haven't actually seen him in forever. This is like kind of like the longest red shirt season in history. Right. It's not, I mean, do I think that Blaine Gabbard has secretly come out and become like a, a starting level quarterback? Yeah, prob- probably not based on, based on history and, and everything like that. But the way you're describing it is that, you know, being in the system, learning the league more in general, I wouldn't be shocked if he was marketedly better and, and serviceable. That's not what I would predict, but... I wouldn't be shocked either. And if if the Bucks see it, they're not like they're not, not going to put some sitting duck out there. They have enough guys. They're going to go try to win, and they're certainly going to try to win that division. So if Gabbert is the guy that they go with, and they inherently trust him and all that, then I would trust the Bucks brass that they made the right decision. It's a good way to put it. It's a good way to yeah. put it. Nice way to rationalize it, and and they've earned that, right? Their management, and I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I alluded to Jason Light's draft history. I just, you know, because, you know, we're it's NFL draft season now, which is obviously some of our favorite times of the year, the draft. I mean, it's yeah. the best. Um, <laughs> and it's been different, you know, with the Buccaneers last year, drafting half their picks for special teams and being in that rare situation coming off a Super Bowl, returning everyone um, where it wasn't quite the same as it has been for Buccaneers fans over the past, you know, almost 20 years before this past season. But, just to like, so I, I said Jason Light's been one of the better drafting general managers in the NFL. I want to go through a couple, like his last few drafts. Like, so in terms of 2021, yes. this past past draft, he, he took Joe Tryonchenko with the last pick in the first round, then Trask, you know, Scott and I both not huge Trask guys, felt it was an early pick. KJ Britt, Grant Stewart, a couple special teams guys. The Darden pick not looking great, especially when he moved up. Who knows? Um, anyway, it's too early to tell with those guys, okay? 
Tryon looks good. Darden looks bad. Um, added immediate impact for special teams. Going back, though, the three years prior, 2020, Tristan Wirfs in the first round, Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second round. That alone, I mean, is an unbelievable haul. You're talking about potentially two perennial all-pro players at their positions, and they both have only played two years in the league. Um, you, like That's a home run. I think you'd, a lot of teams would trade like two full draft Two home runs. You know, like absolute home runs. So yeah. you throw you throw in Tyler Johnson, who I was really high on coming into this year, and like in the fifth, and Keyshawn Vaughn. Obviously, Tyler Johnson. I think most Bucks fans are pretty sour on right now, but doesn't matter. Drafted two players that good. Enough said. Two thousand and nine. Johnson. Where do they get Johnson? Uh, fifth round. I don't remember exactly which pick. Okay, fifth, a, round, fifth round. Fifth round. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I just I wasn't sure. Okay. It, well, and he he was so good in, as a college receiver. You're kind of like, oh, fifth. Like I assumed it'd be like third or fourth. Like I, I yeah. imagine, like for someone who knows how his acumen as a collegiate player, but um, he's certainly playing more like a fifth rounder than a third or a fourth um, yes. now. Yes. 2019, Devin White, Sean Murphy, Bunting. Sorry, round one, Devin White. Round two, Sean Murphy, Bunting. Round three, Jamel Dean. Round three, Mike Edwards. Um, round four, Anthony Nelson, and round six, Scotty Miller. So. My assessment there, you got four starters you've drafted on a Super Bowl winning team. Um, Devin White was incredible looking like, you know, he's had a tough year this year, but still a fine pick. He helped lead them to a Super Bowl and was a massive factor in that. I mean, yeah, undisputed. No, no issues. And whatever you think about those DBs I mentioned after Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean and Mike Edwards, those were all starters. So that's four starters on a Super Bowl winning team and Scotty Miller, who was a massive contributor during that run as well as Anthony Nelson, who's shown a lots of reasons that Bucks fans should want to keep him around as well. He's been surprisingly productive. So, you know, NFL draft, these guys are striking out way more than they're hitting on players. Yeah. And if you got four Super Bowl caliber starters, which is exactly what happened, and one of them being a major, major difference maker in Devin White during that Super Bowl whole entire season last year, you know, that's another home run draft. Yeah. Last one I want to cover here is 2018. So this will be, you know, Going back four years, um, this is my favorite one of his drafts. Vita Vea in the first round, stud, locked and loaded. Ronald Jones in the second round, meh, like showed flashes, but probably not but at the time. Was. At the time, liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Carlton Davis later in the second round, absolute steal. Right. Alex Kappa in the third round out of a small, small school, not even D1. Um, has proven to be he's going to be in very high demand this offseason as a right guard. Uh, and then Jordan Whitehead in the fourth round, safety out of West Virginia, who I've already talked about how badly I want him back. Um, and, you know, he's he's in the top upper echelon of safeties potentially right now. So so Vea, Carlton Davis, Alex Kappa and Jordan Whitehead. So not only is this four more starters from that Super Bowl team and important ones, but like a way more impressive crop than that one in 2019, if you consider oh those guys I mentioned and how they've been over the course of their rookie deals. Like this is like prime time contributors, super valuable players, not just guys who are starters, but like impactful starters um, who have been essential yeah. to the success of the team. So like what yeah, a draft man. that was. That's honestly, and there are teams, it's hard to imagine a team that has drafted as many contributors. It, I don't even want to say contributors. Cause that almost like demeans it a little bit. Like, like, key contributors and starters in in the in a four-year stretch than that right now that's going like that's currently in the league right there are teams who 
in a three-year stretch might have two guys from those from those picks that are actually playing for their team like that's that's incredible that all yeah. of those guys were in that i mean i know and it's it's relatively recent just the last four years or whatever but wow but just when you hear when you hear a list of like that like jesus that's unreal yeah, eight of those starters from that Super Bowl winning team drafted in 2018, 2019, all drafted, yeah, brought up in-house. Yeah, so, so good. Yeah, man. So Jason Light deserves his credit for how he's built this team. And, you know, hearing some of those names, knowing, you know, they were identified by this Buccaneers personnel department and trained accordingly and, and have proven to be successful. So have faith in Jason Light. And as we approach this, 2022 NFL draft. I mean, you got to wonder, like, what are the Bucks' positional priorities per se? Um, I would say they're in a position where they can still go best available. I think a wide receiver yeah. or an interior defensive lineman in the first um, are two areas where there's some some solid players and depth in this draft. From my early research here. So, what are they going to draft? Like 27th or something yeah. around there? Yeah. 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 Okay. Right on. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if we're talking like a D tackle, like Sue and Golston are both free agents, as we mentioned, and, and both up there in years. So um, you got Vita Vea, you've just re-signed. You want someone to pair next to him. That's very important. You've already got two edge rushers ready to rock for next season that we talked about in JTS and Jack Barrett. Uh, so that's an option. But also, I mean, that wide receiver position, they desperately need a high-quality wide receiver three. That was proven this year when the likes of Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson and, you know, just anyone else on the roster was unable to really step up or remain healthy in the case of Paraman or Cyril Grayson. But um, the A-B shit, the Godwin, the unfortunate yeah. Godwin injury, um, the Bucks were crippled at a position that was one of the strongest position groups in the entire NFL last year of all position groups. It was that dominant. Yeah, um, they got it. They got to do it while they have Godwin. If they're able to resign him and Evans in place, I think, you know, add a little more mustard to that condiment drawer. Um, <laughs> probably a good decision there. And there's lots of really good receivers like with, you know, in that round one, round two yeah. area. So any any you got your particular eye on? Man, the, the, there's such a good crop of receivers. It's it's. I'm I'm curious to see to dig into their tape more to properly assess them. You know what I mean? So yeah. Before I start, like I don't want to stack them up against each other. A lot of people are speculating that uh, Dotson from Penn State's a really nice fit. I mean, I have a, a weird thing for Chris Olave. I feel like he's kind of getting slept on a little bit amongst the receiver core. Um, throughout the regular season he was like considered like wide receiver one and now all of a sudden he's like wide receiver six and i'm kind of like i don't know like olave is pretty damn good at getting open he's got that keenan allen-ness to him he's uh, awesome yeah and he's gonna like, be good i i didn't know that he had dropped that like his perception had dropped it's because the other guys on ohio state the younger guys were just so incredible as well but olave's i mean i i hate that guy yeah, you know, exactly. I, I don't like him at all, but I, he's he's incredible at football, and that's that that's super surprising. He, if he were to dip, I mean, that feels like a steal for someone. I don't know. I what what if he was a sixth receiver taken? Yeah, so what? Probably end of the first, early second kind of thing. But you know, right around where the Buccaneers are. Right around. Well, I would be I'd be ecstatic to come away with some Chris Olave. Oh, you know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm literally. Yeah, yeah. I haven't looked. I haven't looked too much. Like, obviously, 
we're going to be doing a lot more draft prep coming up after the after the Super Bowl and uh, digging into it a little bit more. But yeah, that's legit shocking to me about them, but uh, or about him. But yeah, like he's not even the the top prospect on his team. It seems almost like pretty unanimous that he's like, you know, behind Garrett Garrett Wilson, Drake London, yeah. Dotson, who I mentioned, Burke from Arkansas. Um, oh, Dotson, he's good. Yeah, Dotson from Penn State, right? So that right yeah. there is a bunch of guys. Um, so it's very much, you know, similar to all positions, I guess. But but with this receiving group, one thing that's that's for sure is it's a very talented group um, and different types of receivers are available. Oh, Jameson Williams. I didn't even mention Jameson Williams either. Of course. Right. right. Yeah. So yeah. So there's, there's, a, lot there's a lot of depth. Yeah. There's a lot of guys. So and it just will kind of be pick your poison. What's your preference? Who are you willing to bank on? But um, I could totally see this being a year where where. Jason Light goes back to that first round well where he once took Mike Evans and and look at how that's paid off for him, right? That was his first ever selection as a Buccaneers general manager, actually, Mike Evans. Wow. Um, which is pretty cool. Pretty, wow. Yeah. That's nice to have on the resume for sure. Yeah. Literally an iconic Buccaneer at this point. Yeah. Um, as, a, yeah. as important and likable as anyone that's played for the team, probably, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. He's an all-timer, Mike Evans, yeah. and he's still going strong. He hasn't had a, a year where he's had less than a thousand receiving yards. So, and what is, is it? Sorry, but, downs? I mean, this, this guy's going to catch a stray here, but isn't it so like, was it Manziel or Mike Evans? You know what I mean? It's like, I wonder who was more important or, you know, who made who kind of thing. It's like, well, that, you know, that mystery was solved uh, pretty early on in the process here when they, uh, you know, we're playing in the NFL. So, cause people yeah. like, and the way they played, right. Man, would just scramble around and toss it just up, scramble and toss it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's like, I guess do you realize yeah, like every time Mike Evans is like, how many times do you see him have like two TDs by halftime? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was look, so good. He was sick. Yeah. Mike Evans yeah. was awesome. At he was awesome. Um, and then the other positions, Buccaneers, I could see spent putting some extra attention on obviously is, is Ed rusher still, you want depth there. Um, but interior offensive linemen with Ryan Jensen and Kappa both hitting free agency. I don't expect the Bucks to be able to resign Kappa because he's played himself into a nice payday and they won't be able to prioritize him, especially when they drafted Robert Hainsey out of Notre Dame last year in the third. Um, and then Aaron Stinney is another guy, a depth piece who can play guard who they'd probably like to bring back. They had re-upped him on a one-year deal for this season. Um and cornerback, right? Carlton Davis can't have enough corners. We know Todd Bowles feels that way. And Bruce Arians and Jason Light, they've talked about it many times. Um, and, you know, mentioning all those starters, uh, Dean, Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunting, like those are all guys they weren't afraid to just keep unloading on and hoping they would hit yeah. some of them. And it wasn't the worst philosophy, really, in those two through four rounds. So cornerback's an option as well. Plenty of good corners. So I'm really excited as I'm starting to kind of dig into the to the draft a little bit and we'll be doing so we'll be giving you lots of good nfl draft coverage especially focused on the tampa bay bucks um but the senior bowl speaking of jason light i mean the senior bowl went down this past weekend and, and last week um so that's huge jason light has always prioritized the senior bowl it's been a huge deal for him and i think um regardless of how you think about that it gives it gives these general managers and player personnel executives an opportunity to see these players practice against each other to get a live look at them up close and personal they get tons of interview time uh, where they can sit down with them like so it, it's proven to be it's just growing it's getting tons of steam shout out to Jim Nagy for the, what he's done with just the whole um, senior bowl week down there in Mobile Alabama but 
Um, I exp- so that's that's come and gone. And the cool thing about it was, in terms of this important showcase for draft prospects, is just the fact that you know four out of the top five quarterback prospects were all there playing, right? So like, this is such an interesting year of quarterbacks, Scotty. Like we mentioned earlier, like it could go yeah. any which way. We were just talking about the receivers. Same idea in terms of no consensus necessarily or not mm-hmm. much consensus with quarterbacks. They're just not as good as the receiver class. Yeah. I so, Dude, I love when there's parity among the top between the quarterbacks because nobody knows and it's all just, to uh, you know, preference basically. It's not, you know, not like when Andrew Luck was coming out or well, even then there was RG3, but still, yeah, there's not the surefire – all 32 teams would take this this guy with the with the first pick if if he was there right so that that makes it really fun because then you get all the bus talk and who could have fallen where and oh this team actually liked this guy but whatever they didn't you know they didn't end up pulling the trigger all that stuff it makes it so much more interesting and the quarterbacks are super interesting in general right so i mean i i don't know about you i'm a big kenny pickett guy I think he's super fun. I think he's going to step in and just be ready to play. He's like, this is more cliche, less, you know, X's and O's based. He seems like he just doesn't give a shit. He's going to think he's the best guy on the field immediately. I kind of like that swag going in. Um, but I think he's he's just a really good quarterback. Like, I, I watched four or five pick games this year. He can make all the throws. Um, he just has a good feel for the game. And, uh, you know, his running ability is obviously a huge, uh, it's just a huge bonus as well. He's definitely got that. Speaking of swag and just like Kenny Pickett, like I would say he has though, uh, with those two gloves about as much swag as a white picket fence in front of like a modern multi-million dollar home. Okay. I hate two gloves. I hate it's, two gloves. Obviously the two gloves that are an issue I've already sent a couple emails to his team about it. I mean, what? Please don't like, just don't, maybe he'll just get made fun of enough in locker rooms in the NFL uh, to get rid of him. Cause it's, it's bad. It's bad. And you're right. Obviously that's not going to swag down. I don't know how many levels here. I just mean the way he actually plays. It feels like, and then you see those two gloves and you, and you really just want to die. So I, yeah, I knew what you meant. I just had to. Get yeah, it. no, I know, but you're right. It needed to be mentioned. You're right. Yes. Yes. But yeah, man, yeah. Pickett seems legit. I mean, it seems like almost again, he could go any which way. I saw Sam Howell out on top of someone's board today. I've seen Desmond Ritter on top of guys boards, a quarterback out of ah. Cincinnati. Um, Malik Willis though, is a guy who benefited the most out of the quarterbacks, arguably at the senior bowl. Um, in terms of his performance, we had um, Brian Lamb uh, was a is a he runs the draft lounge. He was down there in Mobile all week and he was going to come on tonight, but unfortunately couldn't make our time. He got called in to do some other work, so he wasn't able to make it. But I chatted with him before we came on and he he echoed those same sentiments of what I've been hearing. And I know what Scott's been hearing as well. Um, in terms of Malik Willis really kind of showing out some of that tantalizing potential that he has that's so difficult to assess when he's playing for Liberty, right? So here they get to see him against, you know, future NFLers, some damn good ones. And uh, in, in, in some ways it sounds like he created quite a name for himself and he really impressed in interviews as well. Well, yeah, I, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that tweeted it out about Malik Harris being the, uh, the I don't know if he said the best player, just the, the guy who's, um, helped himself the most and that's that's high praise right like that guy's as good as it gets obviously i know colin you respect him a ton and uh 
you know, follow his work very closely. So if he's saying that, then I, I, I really feel like it holds some weight here. Um, so yeah, what a story if, you know, the guy from fucking from Liberty is going to be the first quarterback taken. Like that's, that's really something. Yeah. So he's a guy like, we're going to try and get out of here quick. We're not going to cover the senior bowl a ton because yeah. I mean, we weren't there. So it's more just of what we've heard and what players have helped themselves. We talked about the receivers, um, heard from numerous people, Christian Watson, Christian Watson out of North Dakota state has been really skyrocketing up draft boards based on his dominant performance all week. Uh, he's he, he, similar to like Mike Evans at AM actually, in the way that he's got like this big body and established deep threat at the collegiate level. Um, was catching balls from Trey Lance last seat college season. Um, but he's proven he could kind of do other things as a receiver as well, create separation, run intermediate routes, like stuff like that. And I guess he was really going to work on some of these corners, which by the way, it's important to note. There's a couple positions that are kind of at a disadvantage in terms of how they're evaluated in these one-on-one drills. And I think cornerbacks and offensive linemen are those yes. who it's kind of unfair. Like, cause in a real game, the, the, the pass rusher has to, if we're talking about the old lineman, the pass rusher doesn't know if it's a run or a pass. It's not just exactly. a one-on-one and they're having to deal with pulling guards. Like there's all these types of schemes. All this like, stuff. Yeah. So unfair. And then with corners, there's no safety over top. There's like, it's just, you're just literally on an Island. Like I would yeah. hope, I would hope some of the receivers are catching a lot of balls. So yeah, I just want to throw that out there, but. Christian That's Watson a is a yeah. Christian Watson's a receiver though, who who made a real name for himself, and I've heard that from tons of people I respect. Excuse me. And, no, and from you know everything I've read about these senior bowls, um, for the guys that are coming at it from a lesser level, or you know, yeah, like even certain parts of D one, you know, like the Mountain West versus an SEC team, but the but especially if you're at like North Dakota State or Obviously, they have a lot of uh, precedent of, of having guys get drafted and do well, but they really need to see it against the best, right? So these these weeks really matter for those guys. So for those, the lower level, not, I don't want to say the lower level talent, but the guys from the lower level schools to come in and show out is really eye-opening and uh, just shows how good they are. And obviously, they could have competed at every level in college, right? So. Great point. Speaking of that, Scott, you'd like, you just totally, there's a guy named Trevor Penning. He's an offensive tackle, like a potential first rounder, mountain of a guy out of Northern Iowa. And he was getting sure. some, taking some heat because he was playing so hard through the whistle, like oh, shoving, yeah. shoving heads to the ground. He knows. Yeah. So, but it's exactly what you're saying, right? It's yeah. a chance to show that he's, he's hungry and he showed yeah. it, man. And I, I, this is still football. So as much as some people would scoff at that and be like, dude, what are you doing playing after whistle? A lot of these old school football guys fucking love it. They oh, just want to, yeah. they want to see you face wash a guy in the dirt or, or Astro artificial yeah. grass uh, after the whistle. Right. That's what they yeah. want. So I think good yeah, on him like for this... being the villain. Yeah, for sure. Like this boy's mean. He doesn't care about the, like, he's just going to play all those old, all that old football shit. Right. And like, Hey, if the evaluators like it, then that's the best way for this guy to get drafted and get a job. So he knows it and good for him for doing it. Totally. Now, probably the best prospect overall who was there was Jermaine Johnson, who's the edge rusher out of Florida State. He was on mm -hmm. he was playing behind uh, Aziz Ojolari in Georgia uh, last season and obviously wasn't getting as many reps because he's, you know, Georgia Bulldogs have a pretty good defense. But uh, if you yeah, didn't hear. Good. Yeah. But uh, anyway, he transferred to Florida State and had a fantastic year. 
And I think a lot of people, he was a guy who kind of could at least confirm what he put on tape this year uh, at, at minimum. And, and a lot of people were curious to see if he would, you know, as we mentioned, playing against this other talent. And he would, he proved to be the best player there by far, it sounds like, um, in terms of a talented edge rusher, cemented himself as a first rounder. So, um, you know, for all our Florida folks, Bucks fans, uh, you're very familiar with Jermaine Johnson, I'm sure, playing for the Seminoles. So we'll probably see his name called day one. And then just two D tackles I want to mention who were there, who played apparently really well. Um, Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma, defensive tackle. I guess he was just lighting it up, lighting interior offensive lineman up. And Travis Jones, D tackle out of the University of Connecticut, who's just like a behemoth, like a 6'4", 330-pound oh dude who's just angry and mean. So could you imagine him next to like Vita Vea? Like, yes, that sounds amazing. Wow, someone from UConn being even considered to be drafted in the NFL is, is a, is a win in and of itself. Cause like, I think, I, I think they're going to cancel the program pretty soon here. Uh, so that's saying something. He must be unbelievable. No kidding. eh? Especially as like yeah. a D tackle. Like, it just yeah. Like, like what the fuck? Why is he there? Yeah. I, but Hey, once again, more power to him. If he makes it, he makes it. It's even more impressive. So good for him. You got it. So uh, there you have it. I think we've covered a good amount of stuff. We've had our, our sentimental reflection on Tom Brady's career, more so his his time spent as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and helping to um, bring the franchise back to relevance. And hopefully he's left them in good hands based partly on the work that Jason Light has done. So we also talked about the condition of the Bucks, the state of the franchise, their free agency, how they might attack the draft. And we closed off with a little bit of Senior Bowl discussion. Uh, so thanks for joining me, Scotty. Uh, really appreciate no, it. No worries. If I could just give one Tom Brady thing. Uh, it's going to just, just quickly here. And just from a Michigan standpoint, I mean, a lot of Tom Brady's story has been told, right? Like this isn't saying anything new, but there's always a ton of quarterback talent there. They were breeding Drew Henson to come in and, and be the savior. He was the golden child and all this. And, you know, Brady, Brady stayed, he had a good senior season that they had this epic win over Alabama in the orange bowl. That's uh, I think that propelled them. I mean, not that it propelled them to get drafted high, but even just to be more on, on people's radars as such a winner and, uh, and a competitor. And, you know, it's, they weren't like a huge underdog or anything, but the, you know, Alabama was definitely favored in the game and he was, he was the best player. And, you know, I I liked him all the whole time he was at Michigan, but that that Orange Bowl win was like, it's important to win those games. And uh, as a fan, you really want to see it. And uh, I'll always remember it on New Year's Day. Alabama missed an extra point that would have sent it into a second overtime, and uh, it was just awesome. And uh, an all-time Wolverine, an all-time player, obviously, and uh, so cool, so cool that he ended up on on your team here for these last few years, so we could. Let's face it, talk about him every week, which has been awesome. So. Yeah, and I feel like we didn't take it for granted. Thank you for bringing yeah. that full circle as a Michigan fan. That's kind of funny, eh? He started with you yeah. and ended with me. <laughs> but we all, yeah, he, none of us loved him in the middle because he was just yeah. kind of making football boring because he's too damn yeah. good. That's true. That's true. Um, and you know where else he starred, Scotty, was the Senior Bowl. There played you go. Very well, played very well in the Senior Bowl, Tom Brady. Uh, so, you know, while you're here, if you're catching this episode live, I know our, our Bucks report feed was down tonight, so we didn't have as much audience interaction slash any, which was unfortunate. But uh, regardless, if you're listening on the podcast or check us out on YouTube, please like and subscribe and all that jazz helps us out a ton. 
Thank you for listening to the Bucks Banter Podcast. We'll be back this Friday with a Super Bowl preview with our guy Bowden. Um, and we'll be covering some bets, some leans for the game, what we like, and just kind of talking about the last football game of the season. So uh, thanks so much and talk to you Friday night.